0: In today's episode, I will be talking a little bit about comedian Norm Macdonald, as well as music from David Crosby, Sheryl Crow, Metallica, and the Spice Girls. Kind of a weird list. It's that kind of show. I'm, uh, wildly unprepared for this introduction. Doing badly at it. Sorry. It's it's a shame that I'm also your host, Derek Brink, and you're listening to what I hope is not your first episode of (laughs) Empty Checking. Hey there, checkmates! It's your old Uncle Derek coming to you on a uh, sort of a nice autumnish day. It's actually it's a little bit more spring-like out there, but it's autumn, technically speaking. Uh, I hope you're all doing well. I'm doing okay. I have some aches and pains that uh, I, some of which I can't explain. I have sciatica, which I'm sure I've mentioned on the show before, which is uh, back pain kind of thing. But it's like back that goes like. Small of the back, down through somewhere in your leg, usually. Some people have it all the way down to their feet. Sometimes it turns into neuropathy, etc., etc. Mine stops right about at my right knee and uh, starts middle of my back and goes, like, into my hip. And the, like, the stuff in the hip, I'll usually start feeling that first, and then it'll kind of branch out. But, like, it also throws weird, random pains into my abdomen sometimes that I often think is maybe my appendix about to explode, and it never is. Although one day it might be, so I have to remain vigilant and paranoid. Uh, dealing with that this week, but that's, uh, that's fine. That's not that unusual, actually. That keeps, keeps happening. Um, anyway, that's, that's what I'm doing. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. For those who like to keep track of that, I know some people do, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to think that somewhere out there, somebody's just got a spreadsheet of this and keeps track of this stuff. Well, I say I'd like to think that. I, I actually don't really want to think that because every time I do think that, the only reaction I can possibly muster is, because that, that doesn't feel good once it, uh, once you, once you start thinking about it, but maybe somebody does, uh, not drinking anything alcoholic today. What I'm drinking today is tap water out of a mason jar. Give me a break. It's, uh, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I, uh, uh, you know, come on. D- d- cut, cut me some slack here. I'm drinking water out of a mason jar. It's one of those three cup mason jars. One of the big ones. It's actually probably more like three and a half or four. I don't really, I don't know. I mean, there's room after the line at the three. So, you know, uh, drinking a lot of water. So that's it's exciting, isn't it? Uh what else is going on? We're uh, we are officially into autumn. Autumn is my favorite time of year. I I like autumn. It's uh, it's been well it was cool for the first couple of days of autumn and now it's uh, about to hit 90 here in St. Louis. It's uh let me check the phone. Currently in the mid 80s. And uh I think we're going to be yeah, we've got 90 degree temperatures predicted for the next several days, so it's it's not really autumn here. If you are wearing your flannel shirts already, you've you've jumped the gun. Uh, we did have a couple cool days as a storm front kind of rolled through, or rolled near. I don't think it, I don't think the storm actually hit us, but we uh, we had some cloudy days and some cooler days, and people assumed ah it's, it's, it's summer's over, you know, forever, and got weird about it. My, my Facebook and Twitter timelines get really dark from my friends when like it gets even kind of autumnal. They just, I, I look seasonal depression disorder and whatnot is a real thing. Some people have that. Most of you don't, but some people do have that. And, uh, I understand that. And I'm not trying to be unsympathetic to that. What I am unsympathetic to is the people who just like, like summer just because they remember what it was like to be a kid and have summer off. And that's the only reason they like it. Uh, we're all adults now develop a personality. Uh, and my, uh, my timeline does get very kind of bleak when, uh, summer starts ending, when it gets even a little bit cool outside. Uh, there are a couple of people there who legit do suffer from seasonal affective disorder. Uh, I, I get that. And those people have, you know, my heart goes out to those people but most of the people in my timeline are just like oh man it's, it's the 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 daylight's getting shorter i uh, can't go do stuff now I'm like why wait why can't you go do stuff like how much stuff are you doing that requires sunlight and that like i don't know maybe i've lived in a city most of my life maybe just all the stuff that i've ever done has been inside You know, like, I've never been a camping guy, I've never been a fishing guy, anything like that. Most of the people in my timeline don't appear to be either, because they're not posting photos of that. Uh, It seems like you can still go places, you can still go to, like, art museums and, like, to movies and things like that, which you shouldn't be doing, because there's COVID still out in the world, and people are dying from that and getting sick from that. Uh, And I, I don't understand But uh, I like most of the people posting in my feed are just not of the seasonal affective disorder variety. They're just of the, oh man, that variety. And like, that's, I don't get it because personally, I like autumn uh, quite a bit. It's my favorite season. I like winter as well. I like cooler temperatures. I don't love summer, but I also don't like, it doesn't start warming up and go, oh man, it starts warming up and I go, eh, you know, turn on the air conditioner so I can sleep at night because I, I get sweaty when I sleep if it's not cool enough. Uh, that's about the extent of it when the season changes for me uh, into the warmer weather. When it changes into the cooler weather, I'm like, okay, get out some flannel shirts and, and, and you know, stuff like that and find, you know, get my jean jacket out and that'll be fine. And uh, also, I just, I I like cooler temperatures because I like dressing in layers. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a fashion thing. Maybe the people who like the warm temperatures just like dressing in shorts and think they look good in shorts. Uh, Spoiler alert, only three of you do, and I won't tell you which three. Uh, But it's, you know, I I, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I do have a favorite season. I'm not depressed for the other three seasons, like the summer people appear to be. Uh, but I, I really like autumn. I'm looking forward to autumn. There's some cool stuff that usually happens in autumn. There's you get your apple ciders, you can make a lot of soup. Uh, there are pumpkins. I'm not a pumpkin spice person, but if whatever's your poison, I guess. Uh, I I just I I like the way things turn in autumn. Some of my favorite tasting stuff is in autumn, um, and you know heading toward Thanksgiving and stuff. I'm not a Halloween guy. A lot of people hear that autumn's my favorite season and assume I'm a Halloween guy. I am not a Halloween guy. I don't care for Halloween, don't go to Halloween parties, don't uh, don't keep my lights on for trick-or-treaters. I turn off all the lights in my house and watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show every Halloween. That's that's my Halloween. But autumn I am for Uh let's let's get the business stuff out of the way here. We're already eight minutes into the show and I've just rambled about nothing. Let's do the business stuff. The websites of interest. If you like the show, you can check out the companion blog that you should think of as your home base for the show at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. If you like me and you want to know more about me, you can go to Derekbrink.com and there's plenty of stuff to click on there, mostly about my music career. And if you like the music that you hear throughout the show, you can check that out at DerekBrink.bandcamp.com, where it's all available for absolutely free. If you just enter zero as your purchase price, you can download it, you can have it, you can take it. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. And of course, you can listen to the show on your podcast app of choice, which I assume you're doing now. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the ones that matter, uh, but who knows how long we'll be on Spotify. Spotify is about to start charging, uh, artists to, uh, put their music on there. Like, uh, 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 Amy Mann shared a tweet about that, that like Spotify is about to start charging artists to put their music on Spotify rather than, you know, paying artists for the do- downloads and listens. They're going to start charging artists. So they'll probably start doing that to podcast folks too, uh, in the not too distant future, I would imagine. Um, even though this costs them nothing, because it's an RSS feed, so they're hosting nothing, uh, I, I would imagine they're gonna start having a fee for that as well, which I will not be paying, so we'll see how long this show remains on Spotify, but it's everywhere else you could possibly wanna be. It's also currently on Spotify, and I have no plans of changing that, but just be aware that Spotify is an evil, corrupt corporation, and they really like to screw over content creators, and, uh, they're probably gonna do that, from the sound of it, since they're starting to bill people like Amy Mann for putting, uh, save me on Spotify, you know? Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But, uh, I've got, uh, got a little bit of mail to read to you. Somebody emailed into the show and we'll talk about that here. Let me pull it up on the old phone. Give me just a second here. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, this is an email from, uh, actually they did not sign it. I don't know who the, well, I, I have the email address so I can I actually can kind of guess at a name from the email address, but since they didn't sign it, I don't think I should say it. Uh, but anyway, a, a checkmate out there, a fairly loyal checkmate from what I can tell, out there writes, hi Derek, first time writing in, but I've listened to the show on and off for a couple of years. Uh, don't know why they felt the need to specify that it was on and off. They could just say they've listened to the show for a couple of years. I'd, I wouldn't then question, well, which ones didn't they like, you know? Anyway, they continue. They've listened to the show on and off for a couple of years. Uh, I appreciated the mini-sode—nice use of a phrase there, uh, anonymous person—I appreciated the mini-sode you did when Norm Macdonald died. I'm a huge fan of his and hoped you might go into more detail in an official episode on stuff that people should seek out from his career and anything weird you might know about his process or shows he did. Thanks. Keep checking. And then it's unsigned. Uh, thank you, Anonymous Stranger. Uh, yeah, I for those who maybe missed it because you only check out the full-length shows or other reasons, I don't know. Uh, when Norm Macdonald passed away, I did, uh, on the night that he died, I did just a quick upload from my phone that was just me sort of out loud reacting and processing the death of one of my favorite stand-up comics, and uh, I, just a guy whose career I've followed since Uh, roughly 1991, because I found an old stand-up special of his that I think was maybe the first one I ever saw, and that was in 1991, so I would have been 11 years old and maybe didn't even get all the jokes because I was young. But uh, I just liked that guy and the way he talked and the fact that he talked about stuff that I didn't hear other comics talking about, and I became a fan and uh, got deeply invested. And I would be glad to talk more about Norm. I think I did 20 minutes that night, so I'm not entirely sure... What else to <laughs> What else to add But uh, uh, I I can riff some stuff I made a few notes and you know uh, One of the things that kind of came to mind for me is that uh, Norm Macdonald as as a comic Just every joke that he ever told was in some way the Aristocrats Because you all know the Aristocrats joke that that joke that's just incredibly filthy and ends with What do you call your act And they say the Aristocrats and that's the punchline, but, like, the the punchline isn't the funny part of the joke. The funny part of the joke is all of the description leading up to the punchline, all of the foul, dirty, disgusting, disturbing description leading up to the punchline is the funny stuff, and the punchline is just so you know the joke is over. And that's kind of how Norm told every joke. It wasn't always disgusting or disturbing or upsetting or lewd or anything like that, but uh, he went into just such detail getting through the joke that the punchline didn't matter. The funny part of the joke was rarely the punchline with Norm. It was everything leading up to it. He just structured his jokes that way. And I really came to appreciate that about him. Um, Google, uh, or like go to YouTube or something and look up uh, Norm telling the moth joke. M-O-T-H, moth. It's on on Conan O'Brien. He told a joke about a moth. And, uh... Uh, it's, it's that kind of joke. It's, I think it's about a six-minute bit where he's just sitting there talking to Conan and just going into detail about this moth talking to uh, a podiatrist and uh, uh, just, just telling him about all these problems in his life. And he just goes into this lengthy, lengthy, rambling thing for just several minutes, and Conan's reacting to it, and it's incredibly funny, and then the punchline is nothing at all, but just watching him get there was such a fun journey, and I heard him talk about that, like, someone asked him about that later, and he said, yeah, I, I didn't know that I had a segment to do, like, I didn't know that I had more I was supposed to say, so I, I just kind of went out, and I'd recently heard a joke, so I did that, and I just did my my version of it, and I was, oh, I can fill up four or five, six minutes with this, and And, and, and that's, that's what happened. He didn't know that he had another segment to do and just had nothing. So he did that. And it was brilliant and hilarious. And, uh, just every joke that he did had, you know, I mean, not every joke, there were some quick one-liners, but he did so much of that. And that's part of what I admired about him. And it also occurred to me that, like, his influence on other comedians, like, I I wonder if John Mulaney, who I really, really like, I'm taking absolutely nothing away from John Mulaney, I love his stuff, he's really funny, but I wonder if he realizes that he lifted virtually his entire persona from Norm Macdonald. Because just the, the delivery, the timing, the pacing, the style of joke, he doesn't do as much of the aristocrat structure as as uh Norm would have done but just just the way that he throws in all those little asides that are like the asides are as funny as the joke that's straight out of Norm's playbook like you know when he's doing the thing of uh uh yeah you know, your grandma asks you something and you say shut up idiot you know how you talk to your grandma like that that was a norm macdonald inflection that was a norm macdonald delivery that was a norm macdonald joke and I don't know if John Mulaney knows that he lifted almost his entire career from Norm. I don't know if Norm knew it either. But you can see Norm's impact on the next generation of comics. And that's, uh, I, you know, I use the word lifted and I use the word, uh, uh, you know, took. And I, I don't really mean that. I mean, here's a guy who was so influenced by Norm MacDonald that you can hear it. If once you, once you hear it, you hear it, you know, it's sort of like, uh, uh, sort of like how yeah, I love Pearl Jam and a lot of their song structure and a lot of what they do is very reminiscent and very influenced by The Who. It's like that. It's like, oh, I can hear this guy's influences. So when I hear John Mulaney, I hear Norm Macdonald as an influence. That's that's really all I'm saying. I, I said it maybe a little bit poorly there that sounded like I was knocking Mulaney. Not that at all. What I'm saying is John Mulaney is Pearl Jam and Norm Macdonald is The Who. And, uh, that's, that's, I don't know if even John knows it, you know, um, other stuff that Norma's done. You can just, you can look up his, uh, anything he did on a talk show is always great. The classic Conan interview with uh, Courtney Thorne Smith, where he just rips her apart And, uh, which in Norm's mind, I'm sure he thought he was making fun of Carrot Top, but Courtney Thornsmith was sitting there just mortified and, uh, uh, you know, like she was like, I, I'm, I'm in the movie too, Norm, you know, uh, (laughs) why are you being mean? Uh, it's, it's hilarious, but it's, it's really squirmy and hard to watch now, but it's, it's hilarious. I think I talked about that in the thing I uploaded the other night, um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of other, other talk show bits. I mean, anything he did on Letterman, anything he did on Conan, absolutely worth, worth watching. Um, uh, uh, uh Courtney Thorne Smith, uh, the moth joke. I'm my notes are in a poor order. I'm sorry about this. I <laughs> Thought I was going to do this a little bit better. Uh, well, talking of talk shows. Uh, He had his own talk show. I mean, he had an internet show for a while that's absolutely worth your time, but if you don't want to seek that out, uh, he had a show on Netflix for just a season, I think in 2018, called Norm MacDonald Has a Show, and it was produced by David Letterman, although I think in the credits Letterman gave himself some kind of weird title like uh, Location Scout or something like that, but Letterman was producing it. And uh, Norm was just Norm on that show, interviewing people and being insane and hilarious. maybe like maybe the episode you should watch of that, if you're just gonna give give one a chance and you don't know if you want to watch all of them, check out the uh, episode you did with Drew Barrymore. It's a great episode. First of all, Drew is very charming and 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 sweet and funny, but like also uh, self-aware enough to admit that sometimes she's not getting the joke when normal says something. she'll say, I don't get it, but I agree, you know, (laughs) like she very sort of down to earth in that way. I've actually got a lot of respect for Drew Barrymore. Um, And like Norm, to give you an idea of what that show was like, Norm is just kind of talking to her and she finishes telling a story and he just goes, yeah, yeah. Do you miss cocaine? <laughs> and she laughs and like, no, not really. And then they just kind of move on from there. Uh, Norm was just fantastic in that way. Only he could have just said, do you miss co- cocaine to Drew Barrymore in the middle of an interview. And she would have been like, yeah, fine, whatever, I'll talk about that. And and it was just fine. He had a gift of of that. He had a gift of just saying things that no one else would get away with saying. Um uh the anonymous writer asked for anything I know about his career or stuff that you should seek out from his career. Uh I mean obviously his stand up there is a uh uh Last Comic Standing thing is the thing I was talking about from 1991 that has some of his most beloved bits in it. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking about the stuff with, uh, uh the, the punchline of, well, one of the punchlines of it is it's me, Bob, but you, you know, you don't know what that is out of context. Uh, he talks about his cliff diving bit, that there are only two kinds of cliff divers. There's either a grand champion or stuff on a rock. Uh, that's in there. Uh, he talks about, it, uh, the, the wiener dogs is in that. Uh, And then you've got the Hitler's dog special that came out more recently in the last couple of years where he, uh, he does uh, just uh, just so much funny stuff. Um, And like I said, look for his appearances, uh, appearances, look for his appearances on Letterman and Conan. Um, A lot of you might not know, although I think a couple of, I think on the recent episode of the Connors they paid tribute to him, but uh, a lot of you might not know back Years ago, he wrote for the TV show Roseanne, uh, and he did some work with Dennis Miller, and he, of course, did all the stuff on SNL. Check out his SNL run. It's fantastic. Anything he did as Bob Dole was incredible. He's the definitive Bob Dole impression to me. Um, But yeah, he wrote for Roseanne. He was a TV writer for a long time. Uh, He showed up on news radio, Dave Foley's show, a couple of times. I think a couple of times, maybe only once, but he showed up on news radio playing, uh, playing Jimmy James' lawyer. I believe his name was Roger on that. Um, The TV show A Minute with Stan Hooper, he was on that. I didn't see a lot of it, I'll be honest with you, and I can't track it down now because it's one of those shows that somebody owns but doesn't see a market for. Uh, Of course, he played, uh, somewhat ironically now, He, he played Death on Family Guy. He was the voice of the Grim Reaper on Family Guy for a while. I think Adam Carolla eventually took that over, but Norm, I think, originated it if he wasn't still doing it. His movie Dirty Work. Um, He uh, uh, he 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 was the first guy to bring back Colonel Sanders in those uh, KFC commercials where they just had a revolving door of celebrities doing it for a little while. And he was perfect at that because he came out and and said that he was Colonel Sanders, and then just kind of shrugged, like, "Come on, buy into it." And it just it was perfect. I was like, "Yeah, okay, Norm's Colonel Sanders. That's great." he was—he was so good at, at, at stuff like that, just showing up places and being great. He—he uh, he had a great run on *Celebrity Who Wants to Be a Millionaire*. You should check that out. It's—it's it's gripping because uh, he was the only celebrity that did it with no help. He didn't—he uh, didn't cheat the way everybody else did. And I'm not talking about the phone of friends and whatnot. I'm, I'm talking with the celebrity version of that show back when Regis was still with us uh, the celebrities would get help from the other celebrities sitting around or like the audience would shout out a or something, and they could go with it, uh, up to a point anyway. And Norm was like, no, nobody helped me. I want to do this on my own. And he did great. And, uh, you should check that out if you can find it anywhere. Um, uh, of course there's the Bob Saget roast. There's his relationship with, uh, uh Artie, um, uh, whose last name just fl- flew out of my head. I wanted to say Artie Ziff. That's a Simpsons character. Uh, uh, Artie Lang, Artie Lang, sorry. Um, is, uh, yeah, the Bob Saget roast. Something you might not know about the Bob Saget roast. There's an edited version out there and there's a really edited version out there. The really edited version is like a minute and a half. The edited version that went out on TV, I think is like six or eight minutes. He did 20 minutes at that roast, according to Saget. Check out Saget's podcast, by the way. He pays beautiful tribute to Norm MacDonald on it. It's very moving and heartbreaking. Uh, but according to Saget, Norm did 20 minutes at that roast, and probably 10 of it played to absolute silence, and they cut it down to kind of working. But I, 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 I have to see that 20 minutes. <laughs> that has to be out there in some form, and I've got to get my hands on it. That had to be brilliant. Um, uh, let me look at the email again. Oh, do I know any weird stuff about him? Uh, I think I mentioned some of the weird stuff there. Um, uh, uh, well, uh, I, I think I mentioned in the thing that I uploaded the other night that he had that uh, he had a, a gambling problem. He lost it all a couple of times, um, and I heard him talk about that uh, in an interview with Mark Marin that Mark re-uploaded upon his death. That uh, Mark said, well, "How do you?" How do you even do that? How do you lose it all? He's like, well, you just you realize that you started out with four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the bank, and then you're down to fifty thousand dollars, and you think, oh, well, I don't want a little bit of money reminding me of having a lot of money, and you just kind of go all in, and and, and what happens happens, and uh, that broke my brain to hear, cause uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't have fifty thousand dollars in there. I don't have ten thousand in the bank. And this guy's got 450,000 and lost it all three times apparently. Wow. Uh so he had a gambling problem. Uh John Lovitz talked about Norm and working with Norm and uh uh doing like a casino gig with Norm. He said, "Yeah, we were uh we were at a casino and we uh we were playing to the high rollers room and they told us to, you know, keep it kind of clean cuz there's a bunch of different people in there and uh, Norm took that as a challenge, and he started working really, really blue. And people were getting mad, and people were leaving, and it uh, it was it was really ugly. Just saw it as an opportunity to to push things, and and uh, we actually ended up banned from the casino for uh, like five years after that and the guy that he was doing the interview with said you got banned from the casino for norm working blue and he said no we got banned from the from the casino cuz norm got busted counting cards <laughs> so that's uh that's a little window into norm mcdonald's life he uh, he definitely had his gambling problems um but one of the things that uh one of the things that saget pointed out in his in his uh podcast in the episode that he uploaded was that Norm also had a very good heart and was a very sweet person and a person of uh, a very private, very personal faith that a lot of people didn't know about who would, um, who would hear that somebody was going through something and he'd say to one of his close friends, he'd say, I'm going to pray for them. And he would mean it and he would do it. And, uh, I've heard various interviews with uh with Norm where he's said ah, not really a Christian don't really believe all that I, I, you know believe in God I don't know if I but uh it kind of it kind of hearing more of the people opening up in tributes it sounds like maybe maybe he was a Christian by the end of it um and I don't know and I don't have any particular stock in whether he was or wasn't I just kind of it's just kind of interesting you know and, uh, cause you don't, you don't imagine the guy who's doing jokes about Hitler's dog also, you know, praying for his friends, but apparently he was that guy. And, uh, I kind of like that, that kind of guy. And maybe that explains some of why I liked Norm so much. Uh, he was a big loss and it's a shame that, you know, things like he never had that, that moment where he became a household name and he got fired from SNL for doing too many OJ jokes because Don Olmeyer was best friends with OJ, um, and was a terrible person. Which, uh, Don Olmeyer passed away in, I think, 2017, and I mean him no, you know, no disrespect to the dead, but he, uh, uh, there are some unpleasant stories about Olmeyer out there that, uh, came out while he was still alive. So, you know, um... But yeah, it's a shame that Norm never really became the household name that he should have been, but he was uh, certainly a name in my household and remains one, and I'm still sad that he's gone. I've spent so much time over the past couple of weeks just watching and watching and watching his stuff, and any interview I can find, any clip I can find, any stand-up special I can find, any... Yeah, you know, I've, I've watched Dirty Work. I'm trying like hell to find the Norm TV show that was on, I think, Fox or ABC, one of the two, in the uh, early 2000s, because uh, I liked that show, and it got, you know, uh, canned at one point, because that's what happens. Uh, I like a show, and people stop watching it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, whatever. But if anybody has a line on where to find the Norm show, even if it's, like, used DVDs or something, let me know. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to rewatch that. But such a loss and such a such a sad loss, and it seemed like every podcast that came out over the over the week that followed had to mention Norm MacDonald because just everybody in any industry that entertains people in any way, shape or form just admired him. And I certainly did, and I thought he was incredibly funny. Again, one of my favorite comics remains one of my favorite comics. And, uh, thank God that his voice is living on in the comics that are coming up, your Mulanies and what have you, and the people influenced by Mulaney are going to also not know that they're being influenced by <laughs> Norm Macdonald. Uh, cause let's see, in that, in that metaphor, let's see, uh, if Mulaney's Pearl Jam and Norm Macdonald is the who, then like the guy after Mulaney will be like, um, Nope, it runs out there. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know current bands, apparently. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the great things about being someone who's influential in that way, is that he's gone, but his voice remains, because there are always going to be people who are influenced by what he did, many of whom will never know that they're influenced by him, because they're not influenced by him, but they're influenced by the guy after, and that's just kind of coming down through the years. Uh, Norm was an original, and there will never be another. That's such a cliche thing to say, but it's it's so true in this case. There will never be another Norm Macdonald, and I miss him. And I'm uh, glad that I got to be here while he was. You know, and I got to experience that in real time and have so much fun doing it. So once again, just in case it hasn't been said enough, rest very very much in peace, Norm Macdonald. Uh wow. Wow, what a talent. What a career. What a what an influence. What an inspiration. Uh fuck cancer. But God bless Norm MacDonald. Let's move into uh let's move into the next segment of the show. Somebody somewhere sold me something. It's a waste of my time. Is somebody seeking something? else fly angel fly your love life is leaving you lost cry princess cry somebody somewhere said it was worth the call i've got some music that i want to talk with you about and uh i think everything in this pile well that's not entirely true some of this is old some of it's new uh, several of them are recent purchases that I made because they were around, and uh, at a dollar amount I was comfortable spending, I guess. I don't know. Uh, this is uh, this has been a pretty good year, a pretty interesting year. There's some cool new stuff coming out. There's some cool reissues and anniversaries and stuff like that, and we've got a little bit of everything to talk about here on this particular episode of the show, because I've uh, got a weird pile of music sitting in front of me, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, one of the first things I want to talk about is somebody who you probably haven't heard me mention on the show before, because I kind of forget that I like her in between uh, in between listening. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the live album that Cheryl Crow put out this last year, Cheryl Crow Live from the Ryman and More. Uh, I don't know what the and more is. That tells me, you know, if I if I understand the syntax, that tells me that some of these songs were not recorded at the Ryman so uh i mean why not just do the Ryman set you know like what was I, I, I don't i don't quite understand there but anyway i picked i picked this up i picked up Cheryl Crow live from the Ryman and more because um I've been on a 90s music kick, and Cheryl Crow was a big part of the 90s uh, sort of, I guess, vibe. I almost said vernacular, but that doesn't make sense in this context. She was a big part of the 90s in in music, and uh, uh, I, I've, I, I like her stuff. Uh, I realized when I was kind of putting together my 90s playlist, which, by the way, got to well over 200 songs. Uh, I mentioned it, I think, two episodes ago on the show, and I, I finished my 90s playlist and it's maddening, and it got to well over 200 songs. But anyway, um, Sheryl Crow was involved in that, and I realized as I was putting that together that, huh, all of the Sheryl Crow I have is an MP3 format. Like, I just I didn't have any physical products, because a lot of the stuff that I bought that was from the 90s, I bought enough after the 90s that I didn't want to walk into a store and buy it and be like, yeah, I'm getting into Sheryl Crow for the first time uh i don't know why i just for sometimes i get self-conscious about stuff like that about stuff that i feel like i should have had already and i'm going in to buy it and i don't want to have a conversation about how oh i'm finally getting around to buying this um there's a lot of stuff in the 90s that i never bought because i never needed to because i was going to hear it on radio or on MTV or at someone's house or whatever and, like, I knew all the—like, that happened with R.E.M. I, I liked R.E.M., and I just—I had never bought any R.E.M., with the exception of the, uh, 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 one of the singles back in the in the 80s. I think probably it's the end of the world as we know it. I had that. Um, but I'd, I'd never bought any R.E.M. albums until one day uh, a friend of mine was talking to me about them, and I thought, oh, I'm gonna pick up their greatest hits. And I went to, I think, a Barnes & Noble and picked up their greatest hits— and was listening to it, and never having actually owned the song, I just instinctively knew all of the words to Losing My Religion, because I heard that song so much. And that's my experience with a lot of 90s music, and so when I got around to actually wanting to hear some of it, because it had been long enough that I hadn't been hearing it regularly, I just started buying random mp3s, not even full albums, just songs that I liked and remembered, mostly singles, you know, uh, because I didn't I just didn't want to go in and buy those albums. I wanted individual songs, and Cheryl Crow really fell into that category. Like I, I had your, uh, um, uh, uh, what, like all I want to do and and uh, 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 I'm strong enough and leaving Las Vegas. I had you know the songs that are identified with her. I had the studio versions in MP3 form. Never had a physical product. So she put out Live from the Ryman, and I thought, you know, I've got a soft spot for live albums that were recorded at the Ryman, and uh, apparently there's also more, uh, so <laughs> I'm going to give this a shot. And I picked it up, and I listened to it, and enjoyed it quite a bit. She did a very good job with the performances on, on the album. Uh, there are a couple of places where I wish they had done a better job of miking the audience. That's, uh... Like, there's a sing-along in uh, All I Want to Do is Have Some Fun uh, that, like, she has the audience take it, and you can tell that they've taken it, but they're not loud enough, you know? It it sounds like they're kind of going through the motions, which I'm sure, in the room, it sounded like, yeah, they're all into it and and up, and and it's it's going great, but because the audience wasn't very well mic'd on the recording, it sounds like they're all just going, all I want to do is have some fun. I do a feeling, not none one, just kind of half-assing it, which I know they're not doing. I know that they're there, and they're invested, and they know the show's being recorded, and they're giving it their all. They're just not well-miked. That's something you need to learn if you're going to do a live performance, is learn how to mic an audience, because that is a huge part of a live record. If I can't tell that the audience is there, I may as well just be listening to your studio record. You need a mic on the audience. You need multiple mics on the audience. Uh, so that's, that's the one feeling of this record, but the performances are real solid. The guests that show up during it are wonderful. Uh, Jason Isbell shows up on it. Didn't know that until he was just there singing on everything is broken. And I'm like, Oh, it's Jason Isbell. Uh, I didn't know he was on it till after I bought it, but I, you know, good news for me, huge fan of his, uh, the, the, uh, group Lucius is really good on it. Amy Lou Harris shows up, Brandi Carlisle shows up. Uh, to Prove You Wrong features Stevie Nicks, um, M- Marin Morris? I don't know that name. Uh, Wadi Watchell and Steve Jordan. Uh, the you know, the guest spots are really good, but uh, the star of the show is Cheryl herself. She still sounds great. And uh, I enjoyed the Ryman thing quite a bit. It's a double disc, so you get a little bit of everything. You get everything you could possibly need and more, uh, as the cover says. Although... I don't know what the more is exactly I wonder it's probably broken down in the booklet I'm taking the booklet out and thumbing through it real quick see if uh, any of these indicate that they were recorded elsewhere from the Ryman I'm not seeing it here that has to be what happened there have to be a handful of these songs that were just recorded somewhere else. I'm not sure what the and more could possibly be, other than that. It really bothers me though for some reason. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that was a waste of your time and of mine. But I, it's fine if I waste my time. It's 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 wrong of me to waste yours. We're gonna move on. Cheryl Crow live from the Ryman. Really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it, especially if like myself you do, you don't have any physical products of hers. That's a good one to add to your collection. Another one that I added to my collection is the new album by David Crosby. You know, of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Crosby, and Young, and Crosby, and Stills, and Crosby, and Nash, and Crosby, and Crosby, and Crosby, and uh, Nash, and Young, and Stills, and Young, and Stills, and Nash, and Crosby, uh, and Nix, and Buckingham, and uh, uh, Steve. Um, David Crosby. You know who David Crosby is. Sorry about that. Uh, his new album is called For Free, which I went to the record store and was startled to find out that it was not. Uh, did, did in fact, pay for it. Terrible joke. Sorry. Uh, it's a good album. Got a couple of guests on this one, too. Michael McDonald shows up at one point. So does uh, Sarah Jeroz. I, I don't know her, uh, and I'm afraid I'm not pronouncing that name correctly. It's spelled J-A-R-O-S-Z. And I'm never sure how to pronounce a name that ends in Z. Sorry, but I'm never sure how to pronounce any names. That's uh, something that you've learned if you've listened to the show more than once, like our uh, our, un, our uncredited uh, emailer from earlier. If you listen to the show, you know that I have no idea how to pronounce anybody's name, and I'm always apologizing for it. But uh, I, the guests were well used on this one as well. It's a fairly short album. You can, like, I listened to it the first time while I was doing my dishes, and I got done doing my dishes, and the album was over. But uh, it was really good. Really, uh, it's very David Crosby. I will say this, when I think of David Crosby, I always imagine his voice different than what it is. Uh, I think I imagine Stephen Stills' voice when I think of David Crosby, which is, uh, you know, sorry. Uh, (laughs) You know, my introduction to all of those guys was Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young at Woodstock. And I think I just, in my head, I, I think that Steve Stills' voice is Crosby's, but Crosby has a different voice. And every time I hear it, I go, what? Oh, yeah, right. It's Crosby, not, not Stills. But so I, <laughs> I struggled with that because I'm me. That's not his fault. Uh, but he's got a great voice. And by the way, I think his voice is just getting better with time or with more and more pot use, one of the two. I don't know if pot does anything for the voice. One would think not. You're lighting something on fire and sucking the, the uh, uh, burning air into your lungs. You wouldn't think that that's good on the throat, but there's probably scientists or hippies who say otherwise. Uh, but uh, Crosby's voice, if it's being affected by pot, it's only to the positive because he sounds better and better as time goes on. And for free... Beautiful album. Very David Crosby sounding. If you like the stuff that he wrote with CSN, you'll like this. He is one of the guys still hanging on from the 60s, still writing stuff that still sounds as good as it did in the 60s. Like he is providing a blueprint of how you're supposed to do it when you get to the stage of his career that he's at. Uh, it's great. It still sounds wonderful. Couple highlight tracks for me. I uh, really like the other side of midnight. Really like secret dancer, and uh, uh, the 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 final track. I won't stay for long. I like that one too. Although Mr. Crosby, I certainly hope that you will stay for long. Hope you'll stay for a very 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 long time. In fact. Um, I was on a Crosby Stills Nash kick earlier this year, and it was just kind of nice that Crosby put out a new one. And Young's always putting out new stuff. He's probably put out three albums while I've been doing this episode. But uh, uh, it was just nice that Crosby put something else new out this year because it sort of fit in with me breaking out my CSN slash CSNY box set and listening to that stuff. And uh, this is a welcome addition to that. Uh, by the way, we just crossed the, I think, 50th anniversary of the Deja Vu album, the Crosby, Stills, Nash, uh, and Young, question mark, uh, Deja Vu album, which is a phenomenal album. They put out a uh, deluxe box set for that that's like five CDs for a crazy dollar amount that I don't really need. What I need is a really good, you know, new mix, new master of the classic album. Uh, and maybe, like, a second disc. I need, like, the two-disc version, not the five-disc version. But I think they just did a vinyl version and a five-disc version, and I don't want either of those. Uh, (laughs) No offense to them. I actually kind of do want one of those, but I I don't, like, where I am financially, that's not a purchase I'm going to be making. I I want, like, the two-disc version of that, you know? But it's not out there. Uh, But I I hope maybe maybe there will be one, or maybe there is one from the recent past that I just overlooked and didn't know about at the time. That's uh that's that's a great album, deja vu. We're at uh, we're in a year with a lot of uh, anniversary editions and sort of monumental like releases and things like significant numbers of anniversaries. Uh, we talked about Pearl Jam and the who and and stuff a couple of episodes ago and we're that's just a lot of what this year is. There's a lot of albums that mean a lot to me and that are very noteworthy that have significant anniversaries this year. And uh, uh, Deja Vu is one of those albums, uh, which goes hand in hand with Crosby's new one for free. Uh, actually, probably probably a pretty good listen back to back on that one if you if you uh, want to spend the time to do that. It's it's a really good album. Highly recommend it. David Crosby's for free. But uh, yeah, we're like I said, we're hitting a lot of anniversaries, and uh, I've talked about some anniversaries here on the show in recent episodes and just now with the Deja Vu one. And uh, there's another anniversary of an album that is. Definitely something we've got to mention. That's uh, one of the albums that's a little bit, uh, it's been a little bit controversial in the past. It's one of the albums that people love or hate, and some people hate to love it, and some people love to hate it. We're talking about the 30th anniversary of Metallica's Black album. You know, the one just called Metallica has the sort of gray printing on the front, but it's mainly black. It's mainly just, you know, the spinal tap, none more black thing. Uh, that's hit 30 years this year, that album, with Ender Sandman, Sad But True, The Unforgiven, uh, Wherever I May Roam, uh, Nothing Else Matters. I'm looking at the thing on the back. Those, I think, were the singles. Uh, that, uh, that album has hit 30 years, which I remember when it came out, and thinking, wow, that's a really great album. And Metallica's Really getting a lot of attention because they one was successful and then they put out this album and it was even more successful and everybody I know likes Metallica now and this is kind of cool and now that I'm listening to it a little bit more it's some of these songs are a lot more simple and short than the stuff on Justice was or or Master of Puppets and it's fine I guess but there's a lot of people that like this a lot more than than they used to, and and some of them, some of them definitely didn't like Metallica before this album. What what's happening? Why is this happening? Why, what, why are why are these rap kids listening to Metallica when they they have always made fun of me for liking metal when they like rap? Why is that? Why is that happening now? And what's what's going on? Why, why are these songs getting played so much? Why am I tired of hearing Ender Sandman? What's, what's happening here? Man, fuck this album! I don't like this album. I I like the classic Metallica stuff, like Justice and Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning and Kill 'em All. Those are all the old albums. Uh, black album sucks. I've decided suddenly because people like it. That's that's what happened in the nineties. case you weren't there at the time. And, uh, that happened to a lot of people and it's, you know, the word sellout started getting tossed around by like 1992. And, uh, uh, I, you know, Jason Newstead had the best line on that. He said, yeah, we sold out every stadium every time. And, uh, that's a pretty good line. And it's, it's, you know, being a being a quote unquote sellout, I have different views on that now than I did in the nineteen nineties. It's nobody when they're a kid singing along with the radio in their bedroom, nobody looking in the mirror, holding up a hairbrush and singing into it, has the dream of like, yeah, I'm going to be just barely successful enough to where some people know me, but not everybody, and I've got to work a second job to make a go of it, and maybe my albums won't sell very well, and I'll not be allowed to keep making them after a while, and I'll fade away into obscurity. That's my dream. No, everybody's dream when they're singing into a hairbrush into their mirror is, I'm going to be the biggest rock star in the world. Everybody's going to know my name. I'm going to be dripping in money. Nothing's ever going to be a problem for me again. It's going to be awesome. People will hang on my every word and know every lyric to every song and sing along with the guitar parts even. That's that's what's going to happen in my career. And Metallica made that happen. And I don't fault them for that. It's been 30 years. I'm no longer mad at the Black Album you know what I am at The Black Album? I'm the guy who just bought the the re-release 30th Anniversary 3 CD copy, which, by the way, I got for $13. bucks. do not know how I pulled that off. But uh, uh, that's that's who I've become. Because I had a copy of The Black Album in the 90s when I was supposed to, and I actually don't know what happened to it. I had a friend who was in the habit of stealing music from my brother and myself, and I think maybe he stole that from me, because I haven't seen my original copy of The Black Album in quite some time. Uh, that's another one where I, uh, I, you know, didn't really need to have it, so it took me a long time before I went back and bought any Metallica, or bought anything off that album anyway. Uh, got the rest of the Metallica albums, except for the live stuff, because their live stuff got kind of all over the place for a while, but I've got all the studio albums anyway. And, uh, I just didn't have the black album for years and years. I did at one point download a few of the singles because I figured I should have a copy of Ender Ender Sandman on my MP3 player, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, I haven't had a physical copy of the album in a while. And so they did the 30th anniversary release and now I've got a copy of that album again. And that actually feels kind of good. That feels like way better than I would have thought that it would if you had told me that this whole series of events was going to outfold, outfold, fold out, was going to happen. In 1992, if you had told me that this was how it was going to play out, play out. That's what I was looking for. If you told me in 1992 that these events would play out in the order that they have, I would have thought, that's it's no big deal to not have the Black album. But uh, when I bought it in the last couple of weeks and you know finally kind of put it back on my shelf, it felt like a pretty big deal to have that album again. And I'll own up to that. Uh, The package itself has your classic album remastered. It sounds great. Uh, and then you've got a, the second CD, is uh, called Riffs, Demos, Rough Mixes, and Easy Listening Music, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. There's a bunch of demos, and then there's uh, the. It ends with uh, track 14 is the elevator version of Nothing Else Matters, which is exactly what you think it is, and that's fantastic, um, because I remember being in an, in like a, a department store in the 90s and going what. Is that Nothing Else Matters playing in, like, elevator music? And it was. Uh, that's fantastic. So that's that's on here, too. Uh, and then CD3 is sort of one of the things that made me buy it. It's called Wherever We May Roam, which is a bunch of live stuff from the, the tour behind the Black Album. And uh, I got excited about that because I wondered if, like, I saw them on that tour. I actually saw them on The Night That Freddie Mercury Died. Uh, in 1991, they were in St. Louis, and they, as part of their set, played "Stone Cold Crazy," and they didn't even know that Freddie Mercury had died. That was just regularly in their set, so they accidentally did a Queen tribute, uh, which was pretty cool in hindsight. But I, I saw them that night, and I kind of thought, I, I wonder, I wonder if there's anything from St. Louis on that CD. And uh, so I, I, I got it, and I grabbed it, and it's 13 tracks on that CD, and I thought, I, maybe we'll see. And I open it up and I I pull out the booklet and I I flip through the booklet to the page where it tells you what's on CD3 and the very first song on it. Enter Sandman, live at Tushano Airfield, Moscow, Russia. And I went, there is not going to be a song on here from St. Louis (laughs) because they started in Russia and there is not a song on here from St. Louis, but I'll tell you what is on here is Nothing Else Matters live from Wembley Stadium on April 20th, 1992, which was the tribute concert to Freddie Mercury. And I watched that simulcast on TV and, uh, had it like recorded it on VHS at the time. And I think that VHS is even still around here somewhere. And, uh, it just kind of meant a lot to me to hear that version of that song again. Cause I remember, I remember that happening. So that was, that was cool and fun. And, uh, I'll tell you this, folks, the Black Album came out in 1991, it is now 2021, and if you're still shitting on the Black Album, listen to it again. Just listen to it again, with an open mind, and not—like, stop being hung up on whether or not you should or shouldn't like something, and whether or not you do or don't think somebody quote-unquote sold out, which absolutely all of us would do if we were given the opportunity, you would absolutely take the money and success and fame— all of us would, uh, get over all of that and just listen to the album and you're going to enjoy it because I know I have. And there's one more album that I want to talk about that is at its 25th anniversary. And I alluded to this a couple of weeks ago on the show, but I've got to mention it again. Uh, and what kind of a, what kind of a show would this be if I didn't have the jarring shift of going from talking about Metallica to talking about the first album by the Spice Girls, uh, the Spice Girls album Spice came out 25 years ago in 1996. That's uh, that's a big deal. That actually happened back on I think the 19th of this month, and I was happy about it. And was listening to the album and watched the Spice World movie that night. Actually, funny story. I was uh, I was driving around and it was in the morning it was kind of kind of nice out not too not too hot not too cold i was driving around and i was listening to the spice girls really loud and i had my window down cuz it was a nice day and uh, i was at a stoplight and i just suddenly hear uproarious laughter and i realized that oh that's directed at me cuz i'm a guy in my 40s who looks like i look with the spice girls turned up really loud Singing along at a stoplight, and I look over, and the guy laughing at me <laughs> could not have been—I—I I, I think this is important—could not have been more stereotypically thugged out if you paid him to do so. Just a heavy-set dude, but like you, you can tell he's overweight. But like that way that there's a lot of muscle there. He just also doesn't eat right. He's huge, but he's also ripped. He's that guy. Uh, and you know, like wearing stereotypically wearing like the wife beater, uh, smoke, I swear to God, smoking a cigar. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he was actually wearing one of those really thick chains that people used to wear in the 1990s, or if I imagined that because I'm a racist, I don't, I don't, I don't know which of those things is true. I think the chain was there. And I just looked over, and he's he's just just looking at me, laughing his ass off, <laughs> and I kind of chuckled too. And I just looked right at him, and just kept singing along, and just sort of sort of did a dance. <laughs> and then the light changed, and we both drove on. And I was like, well, I made that guy's day. <laughs> and that's uh that's how I celebrated the 25th anniversary of the Spice Girls' first album, uh, which is one of the go-tos for anybody who's a fan of that genre. I mean, the the song list is what it is. It's it, Wannabe, the classic song that we all know and love, which, um, just to prove, by the way, that this isn't any kind of a facade that I'm putting on, uh, Here's, uh, I'll, I'll, let me do the breakdown in the bridge for you, just so you know that I'm not making this up and I couldn't possibly be reading it off of a lyric sheet at the speed that I'm about to do this. You ready? Yo, here's the story from A to Z. You wanna get with me? You gotta listen carefully. You got M in the Place who you like in your face, you got M2, you like MC who likes on an Easy V doesn't come for free, she's a real AD, and S for me high, you'll see, slam your body down, wind it all around, slam your body down, and wind it all around. That is the cold dead speed of knows it by heart. All right? I'm a big Spice Girls fan. Uh, Wannabe is on that album. Say You'll Be There was a single, so was To Become One, so was Mama, so was Who Do You Think You Are, uh, so was Naked, and so was If You Can't Dance. There's not a bad song on this album, uh, unless you just hate the genre, which... I understand completely that most of you do. Um, I, I love those girls. I, there is a rumor going around right now that they may be making a, uh, an anniversary movie, kind of like Spice World 2, sort of, 25 years later. And I've heard that the premise of it will be, uh, Jerry get, getting the band back together for one more show and going around and tracking them all down across the world and, and getting the band back together. Um, I'll tell you this, folks. I've been avoiding doing a whole lot of stuff because of COVID-19, uh, but if they actually make that movie and it comes out into a theater, I will risk my health to see that movie. I will absolutely go see that in theaters. Uh, I I, uh, I want that to happen so bad. Um, and I'll tell you, that I'm I'm still a fan of the girls' individual careers. Uh, some of them aren't doing a ton. Uh, Melanie C. is doing a lot of stuff. She's got a bunch of albums. She put out an album last year that was really good that I don't think I talked about on the show because I'm, I'm forgetful in that way and because the show was very sort of sporadic for a while there. But uh, she put out an album that was really good. Uh, Emma Bunton did a solo album in the last couple of years that I may have talked about on the show, actually. Uh, and the, the others are doing things too. You've seen Mel B on, uh, different TV shows and whatnot. And, uh, of course, uh, Victoria is married to David Beckham. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of that band and remain a big fan of that band. And, uh, it just reminds me of a goofy, fun time in my life that, uh, I'll never get back, but that I'm so glad it happened. And, uh, it's the 25th anniversary of that first album. And that meant, that, that meant a lot to me and maybe it means something to some of you out there too even if it's oh god i can't believe we're still talking about that well we are and and that's that's kind of kind of cool in a way that something that you thought was going to be disposable pop music we're still talking about 25 years later i like that that makes me happy and i hope it makes you happy too and if it doesn't maybe we'll find something else that makes you happy i don't know it's 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 kind of hard to say Okay, I think that's our episode for this week. Thank you so much for coming along on this with me. Um, a couple of things going on, I guess, I should talk to you about. Well, I don't really need to talk to you about it, but it's something I'm going to talk to talk to you about. Uh, I've mentioned, because it's just the elephant in the room, I've mentioned COVID-19 a couple of times throughout the episode. Uh, don't worry, don't have it yet. I actually don't think I presently know anybody who does have it. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's still out there and it's still a big risk and it's still dangerous and St. Louis's numbers, every time they start looking good, they then double. Um, because earlier this week we were down below a thousand cases and now we're back up around 2000. So, you know, uh, I don't know, but, uh, um, it's still something to be very mindful of. And, uh, I'm at a point where concerts that I was supposed to go to in 2019 and early 2020, uh, well, I guess just in 2020 now that because the shutdown happened what March 2020, so yeah, okay. Uh, stuff I was supposed to go it, go to in 2020 is starting to come come back around. and Those shows have been rescheduled and 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 whatnot. And um, like last night, Judas Priest was in town, and I was supposed to see Priest back a year ago, and I didn't go, even though there was a ticket with my name on it. I didn't go because I'm just not there yet. And I don't think we should be doing that. Uh, and like the Rolling Stones came back through town and I was supposed to see them in 2020 and I didn't get to, and I didn't go see the Stones and Charlie Watts just died anyway. And you know, it, like there was a picture of Mick Jagger on the arch grounds, just kind of standing there underneath the arch. And the headline was Mick Jagger visits, visits arch ahead of, uh, you know, show at the dome which I thought should say Mick Jagger visits the Arch ahead of Super Spreader event at the Dome. Um, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. I'm not going to shows. I'm not going to movies. I didn't go see Priest last night. I should have. There's a Drive-By Truckers show coming up on October 2nd that I have to make some decisions about because I'm a huge DBT fan. I've seen them every time that they've been through since 2004. I don't know if I can go to this one. I'm just not sure, and I've got to decide that really fast because it is currently the 26th of uh, September as I'm recording this. I just don't think we should be doing this yet. We shouldn't be having sporting events with fans. I don't know. I'm not there. And I don't know if I'll be there by the, by the second or not. I'll keep you posted. I'll let you know when it happens. And I'll certainly let you know when I get COVID. Because that's inevitable with the way things are are reopening. But in the meantime, all we can do is, is our best. And I've said on this show pretty religiously over the past year, if uh, if you can avoid going places and doing stuff, please do. And please get vaccinated, and if you can't avoid going places and doing stuff, please wear a mask. Please be sensible and careful for God's sake, and for everybody else's sake. In line with that, please remember that Black Lives Matter. Please remember that trans rights are human rights, and women's rights are human rights. Donate to the ACLU if you can. Be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. If you want to be my lover